1209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us as we were talking, Eric, Steve, and myself. Again, thank you to all the people who came out, hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, full house, again, for the fourth year in a row. Everybody on the first level, on the second level, on the balcony. It was just absolutely tremendous. The respect, reception to the, the holiday show was great. And on a personal level, just so many people who listen to the program and people who know me, our guests, the people that went on the river cruise with us and are going again next year were there and friends of mine from all sorts of different walks of life. My barber was there. It was just a great evening and you're going to have several chances to hear it. But I will tell you, if we do it again, and I, I have no idea what the plans are for next year, but if we do it again and, and you, you listen to it on the radio, that's cool. But it's not the same as being there and just getting the vibe. And I think everybody who went there had an absolutely outstanding time. But there is a but. There, there is a but. It has nothing to do with with the show. Fiserv Forum, which is the, the new facility where the Bucks play in the Milwaukee and the, the Bucks play and you have a number of concerts and the, the Marquette Golden Eagles. See there, I'm trying to get better. It's the Marquette Warriors to me always, but I'm trying to get better. The Marquette Golden Eagles play. It, it, it is a wonderful facility. If you have not had a chance to be there, I, I encourage you to get to see a game. They've done a really spectacular job with the interior. I won't comment on the exterior that still looks to me like, well, Donald Trump's hairstyle. But but again, inside, it is a wonderful, wonderful facility. So I, I go to, I have season tickets to the Marquette games. I The way I go down there to avoid having to pay to park is I belong to one of the they have various clubs that they have downtown, and the clubs run shuttles, and I belong to one of those and have for years. And so, you know, what we'll do is we'll go and we park up at the, the club, and it's complimentary, although, you know, you pay your monthly thing, and go in, and we'll have a drink, and we take the shuttle over. So, and then the, the shuttle picks you up and takes you back, and you pick up your car, and you go from there. So I, I typically don't look to park in the immediate area of either the Bradley Center or, or now Fiserv Forum. Well... For a variety of reasons, last night, I, I didn't want to do the shuttle. I had a number of people that were with me, and it's just like, it'll be just be easier. So I, I was driving around looking for a place to park. Now, last night, you would have thought perhaps on a Monday night downtown, it, it would not have been that busy. But it was crazy nutso because not only did you have our event at Turner Hall, but you had at Pfizer Forum, you had the WWE, the wrestling thing, and that was sold out. And there were people all over. So I was just kind of curious. I was driving around. Like I say, I had my wife and some friends with me. I dropped them off in front of Turner Hall. And then being the the good husband and the good friend, I went looking for a parking space. And I I was struck by the the lots in the immediate area. Um, Some were charging $40 a car to park. The most common price was thirty dollars to park that that in and i'm talking about in the immediate vicinity i'm sure if you go eight ten blocks away maybe you can get a better deal there was there was no meter parking that's there you know they've they've upped the prices on the meter parking but those were all kind of full fulfilled i ultimately found a place i would say five six blocks north of the fiserv forum but relatively close to turner hall and it was twenty dollars now i i guess i could have gone further away like i say and and probably found something for 15 bucks but it was cold i wanted to get in we we had these things but it so i ended up paying 20 dollars on 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 a monday night downtown but typically if you wanted to park within a a few blocks it's going to be 20 
$30, and maybe a little bit less if you're willing to walk on, on cold nights. I was talking to somebody this morning who went to one of the Bucks games, and I was, I was asking him about, well, kind of the parking thing. And, you know, he was saying to me, it's interesting you should mention that, Jeff, because my wife and I were just talking about that. We went to a Bucks game. And his story was the, the tickets, they were great seats. The tickets were like $140 a piece. And the, the beers were $10 a piece. And, you know, we, we had something to eat, and that was over $20. And on top of that, you know, we ended up paying $30 to park. And he said, you know, I, like, by the time I add this up, you know, we're, we're pushing like $400 for, for the evening for two of us to go to a basketball. It was a great experience, and it was wonderful. And it's interesting because of all those different prices, the thing that kind of annoyed him the most was the, the $30 to park. Now, I am a supply and demand guy, and I understand that if you want to, I mean, there's a limited amount of space close into a particular uh, event. So you, you do, you know, you charge what the, the market bears. However, I, as I found myself driving around last night, I was wondering, is this ultimately, is this going to be a deterrent to people coming down here if you know that going to an event, it's not just going to be the cost of the tickets. It's not just going to be the cost of, you know, what you spend on souvenirs and food and drink when, when you're in the event. But you're also going to have to pay twenty, thirty, forty dollars just for the, the privilege of parking within a few blocks of the facility. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How big an impact are the parking fees going to be on people's decisions to travel, for example, downtown and particularly the Pfizer Forum? Again, I, I'm a supply and demand type of guy, but I do find myself wondering, hey, at a certain point, is there going to be a backlash where, you know, people say, wait, you know, $30, $40, 20 bucks just to, to park the car? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back to discuss in just a minute. It's 1215. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. L- last night was a great night. I-, I do admit that kind of driving around the area, I had a little bit of sticker shock because typically I-, I I pay, I belong to, you know, one of the clubs downtown, so I drop my car off there, have a drink, and, and then take the shuttle over. I did have a little bit of sticker shock driving around the area, or around Pfizer Forum and Turner Hall and all, and I, I-, I mean, the cheapest parking close in, and by close I mean five, six blocks, that, that I could find was 20 bucks. A lot of stuff, the standard price was $30 to park. Some places were $40 to park. I, I'm wondering, with prices that high, if there's not some effort to try to bring them down or offer more affordable parking, is it going to deter people from going? Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're first. Hey, Jeff. Since the last three major events I've driven to have cost me between 25 and 38 dollars in parking it's already limited the amount of time i've i've uh, chosen to go downtown and a good example is that i took my sister out for a birthday dinner this past saturday evening mm-hmm. and i purposely suggested a place that was not downtown and she thankfully took me up on it right because you you know you don't want to run into whatever that crowd is going to be and know that even though there's great restaurants, know that unless, especially if you're in a certain area, unless you want to walk eight or ten blocks, you know, you're probably going to have to pay big money to park. 
Yeah, and I think I'm also still ticked off that, that a couple of the, of the events, I, I paid more for parking than the actual event. <laughs> well, that, I mean, they, there, there is... There, there is that certain factor there. Now, again, I, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted when I bring this topic up because I, I am a free market guy. I'm a supply and demand guy. And obviously the idea is, well, if, if you don't want to pay $40 to park, fine. Then don't park close. Then, then walk eight blocks. You know, pay $15 to walk eight blocks. Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate that there is that option there, but I'm just wondering whether a lot of people are just going to take the position that, Hey, I, I don't want to drop that much dough on this. So, after we've seen the building once or twice, maybe we'll we'll figure out other things to do. Lisa in Burlington. Lisa, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. I just think it's overpriced. I took my family down to the Chris Kindle market, right. and to pay $30 to park is ridiculous. I mean, how do you want – I don't live in the city, so to come to the city is a big deal for my kids, and – I just think it's overpriced. So then I find things like Spot Hero that can, you know, find cheaper parking somewhere else. And yes, you do walk, but that's okay. Right, because you end up having to do it because you're not going to pay $30 to to park close. You're not going to pay that much money. That might be more money than you end up spending at the whole event. Exactly, exactly. And I just think it's, and I think that deters people from going downtown and enjoying all the great things that you have to offer. Yeah, I think, you know, see, Alisa, I think you're, you're on to something there. And, and I think, and again, I, I appreciate for like the very premium stuff, you're going to pay more. But I think one of the things the city and the bucks and the people that run that whole entertainment district have to get a grab, a hand on is affordable parking that is close in. Um, and I don't, I don't know what affordable is, but I mean, 30 bucks for an event, uh, $20 if you want to walk blocks. I, I think that's going to be a deterrent to a lot of people. It truly is. And then when you put in a family of four and you want them to go to a Bucks game, that's double of what you would have, you know, what you paid with you and your wife the other night. And, right. and that's yeah. just something we wouldn't do. Yeah. No, thanks for calling. I mean, I, I think that's, that, that's, that is just this issue that is out there. Now, I understand if you are a, a regular, you find other other ways around this, maybe. Like I say, I, I, I have Marquette season tickets, so, I mean, I have my particular routine, and I take a, a shuttle. I mean, there are ways that you can get around this and deal with this, but but moving on, I guess I was just struck by, man, 30 or $40 to park in that area. That strikes me as a lot of money. Katie and Racine. Katie, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, the, the parking situation is certainly uh, a big issue. I went down to see an art show that a friend of mine was doing, and it was you know, obscene to have to pay that much. And then the other the other thing is, you know, as far as being priced out, I know your uh, supply and demand comment, but the reality is families used to be able to go to sports events. And, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I can remember my dad taking us kids to, to baseball games when I was a little kid, and he could afford to do that. And, and nowadays, you know, you can't take families. Families that can't afford, I mean, you know, your basic average family and fans, Right. And, you know, the true fans, you know, can't afford to be $400 a night. Right. And, uh, and, and you, you start know. off, like, even talk about parking, you're, you're dropping 20 or 30 bucks just just, just to, to, for the privilege of getting down and putting your car somewhere. Right. And, I know. Uh, it, it just makes it all that much worse. And then, you know, then maybe families can't afford to maybe buy a soda for the kids or, you know, uh, all that stuff. I mean, it just. It's bad. It's 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 bad. It's well, way out, way well, right. out of line. I mean, th- I mean, I just it, it's one of these things that you wonder just on the surface, you know, for the regular sort of events, is this something that you could? 
put some controls on. In other words, say, okay, we're, we're, we're going to charge $15 to park instead of $30 to park. Because I, I will tell you, a lot of this supply and demand notwithstanding feels like price gouging to me. It, it does. Now, I have a number of people who are texting and they're saying, you know, use Lyft or Uber. That's the way it's, you know, th- that's the way it's going to go. More and more people are going to do that. And, and yes, I, I think that that's, that's an answer. Um, but of course I'm hearing from some Lyft and Uber drivers saying, unlike at the Bradley Center, it's nowhere near as easy to pick up and drop off people around the Fiserv Forum. And I, I will say that's kind of the case right now, even with taking the shuttles, it's a lot more, it's a lot more difficult to pick up a shuttle, you know, to go back or actually when you get dropped off, you have to walk across the street. I, I'm not sure that the the design really took as much of that into account. And look, it's a great facility, and I'm not trying to rain on a parade. I'm just saying maybe, you know, big picture, if the idea is to promote this area, if the success, and I have said this before, I, I think the success, and whether we determine whether or not $250 million in public money to help contribute to the Pfizer Forum, the only way we're going to be able to judge that ultimately as a success or a failure is whether that area around it develops like I think a lot of us hope that it is going to do. And if if we're in the situation where we're gouging people to park in the immediate vicinity of that area, well, all right, maybe you're pound, you know, penny wise and pound foolish. Yeah, you get the money up front a little bit, but if you discourage people from coming back saying, I'm not going to pay 20 or $30, I'm not going to pay 30 or $40, you know, to park just so I can go into this area. So I'll find some other place. Ultimately, are you uh, again hurting the overall thing? Just an observation. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We got a lot of stuff on today's show. The freeway was closed down again yesterday. Another road rage incident and. You know, in general, I like people, but every once in a while, I am disappointed. And I've got a story like that that I want to talk to you about in just a moment. 1226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's see, a quarter of the way through Mike Budenholzer's first season as head coach, and there's no mistaking the Bucks have a team identity. But will it continue to stick? Greg Matzik thinks so and explains why tonight. Tune in. 6.35 this evening on Sports Central. Also want to mention something. Uh, tomorrow night, if you happen to be in Washington County, there is a charity event I'm involved with, Boys and Girls Clubs of Washington County. They call it the Taste of Washington County. It's at the county fairgrounds from 6 until 10 o'clock. This is the uh, second year that I have been involved with it. And I'm going to, what happens, a number of area restaurants from Washington County get together. They serve food and they have all sorts of things that are going on, silent auctions. It's a lot of fun. I'm going to, uh, I'm serving ribs tomorrow night. So uh, it, it's, it's actually, it was quite nice last year. And I, I'm told that I have to work the whole time. I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to break that. No, no, no. It's no, you're going to be working the whole time. So if you happen to be out of the taste of Washington County, you can find me. Again, it is a wonderful charity fundraiser. Okay. Before we go to news, I kind of want to set up this story. There, I like people. I, I really do. And I think in general, we as a class, people in general, most people are good people who want to try to do the right thing. And then every once in a while, we just kind of collectively lose our minds. For example, a year or so ago, there was a story about a, a, a local gas station operator in, in central Wisconsin and the employee at night. Right before, it was one of those deals where the gas station is open 24 hours 
and but there's there's nobody there overnight. So the employee right before he or she goes home, they they, they adjusted the gas prices and and they set the gas price and like it's supposed to be three dollars and twenty nine cents, and the guy screws up and makes it thirty two cents a gallon on the pump. And so then what happens is everybody knows it's a mistake. What happens is somebody pulls up and they start filling up. And they realize, hey, I'm paying 32 cents a gallon instead of $3.29 a gallon. And instead of realizing it is a mistake, what they do is they put this out on social media. And pretty soon, within a half hour, everybody is in line to try to get the 32 cent uh, gallon gasoline. Now, of course, I, I understand it's great to get the 32 cent a gallon gasoline. But what you're doing is you're, you're ripping off the, the local gas station owner because you know it isn't right to do it. But people are getting out of bed at 2 o'clock in the morning to drive to get 32-cent gas. That's obviously a mistake. All right, I've got a story along those lines about something that happened the other day, and I want you to be honest when we talk about it. 1235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 2018 marks the 13th year of Kids to Kids Christmas from Capco Metal Stamping and WTMJ. In that time, we've given away nearly 200,000 toys to kids in need. To find out where you can drop off a toy or make a donation, head to WTMJ.com right now. And don't forget that this Friday, I and John McCure will be live at VMP Healthcare and Community Living in Milwaukee. They set up this big winter wonderland sort of thing, and and it's amazing. They've got toy drop-offs, but they've got all sorts of things to to do. They've got food. It's just a wonderful event. We've been there for a number of years now. Stop by from noon to 6. Help us spread the holiday cheer. Please bring a new toy. Drop them off. It is so cool to sit in, in our broadcast facility our mobile broadcast facility and look out and you'll see the people that are pulling up and all the different toys that they're dropping off it goes to just a wonderful cause kids to kids christmas we've talked about it a lot we'll talk about it more all right so right before the break i was reminding you of this story from a year or two ago where the, the local gas station owned by some local guy makes makes a mistake an employee makes a mistake and instead of charging three dollars and 29 cents for the gas or whatever the number was it, it's 32 cents Somebody sees that, and instead of, well, realizing that it's a mistake, they call up all their buddies, and pretty soon, next thing you know, the only reason the owner finds out is the cops call in because there's huge lines outside this gas station. As people are getting up in the middle of the night to try to rush to this gas station to take advantage of the the 32-cent-a-gallon gas, knowing it is a mistake, and they're rushing there because they want to gobble up the gas before somebody figures it out and makes it right. right? And... Look, I, I appreciate you want to get the thirty-two cent a gallon gas, but really, you're, you know, you're 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 essentially you're not stealing it. I guess technically you're not stealing it because I mean that's what the price is. But you know, it's a mistake. And how would you feel if, in whatever your business is, you made a mistake and then somebody decided to exploit it and call everyone else up? All right, so that brings me to the story. This happened in, in Houston, as a matter of fact, last Sunday night. One of the one of the big banks, I think it was a Bank of America. One of the big banks, they've got an ATM machine. Okay, it was Bank of America. They've got an ATM machine, and what apparently happens is one of the employees who was filling up the trays of bills in the ATM machine, the tray that is supposed to have ten dollar bills in it, they put hundred dollar bills in it. <laughs> 
So, so, you know, you go and you, you know, you punch in your car, you, you say, I want to take out $10. And the way the computer works is it goes to the tray that has supposed to have the $10 bills in. But instead of giving you $10, it gives you $100. All right. Well, all right. You, you immediately, and, and by the way, and they really have, I mean, they have no way of knowing. You punch in ten dollars. If, if you punch in a hundred dollars, you're going to get the hundred dollar bill out of the tray. But if you punch in ten, you get the hundred dollar bill. All right. So what happens is somebody goes there. This is about like eight thirty at night. You know, they apparently punch in that they want ten bucks. It gives them a hundred dollar bill. Huh? What's going on here? Let me try that again. Let me put the card in. Punch in ten bucks. It gives them a hundred dollar bill. All right. So you know. You know something is wrong. You know that this is a mistake. So what does that person do? Do they, I don't know, like hit the help button or something or say you've got a problem? Uh Uh-uh. What they apparently do is they start calling everybody they know saying this ATM machine is giving out $100 bills when you put in 10. At which point in time? Apparently, there is a huge rush in just a matter of minutes. There is like a mob outside of this ATM machine. People pushing, people fighting, people shoving everybody to get in and see if they can get the $100 bill, you know, for trying to make a $10 withdrawal. The way the bank finds out about it is there's so many people huddled around this ATM machine fighting, pushing, and shoving at 1030 at night. The cops notice this. I mean, the police are driving by going, what the heck is going on here? Because you have this mob that is fighting to see, you know, how I, I want to get mine. I want to get mine. How many of these can I do? So the, the police come. They disperse the crowd. And, and then ultimately they start the investigation. They find out that what happened was, again, somebody put a $100 bill in the $10 slot. Um, the bank comes. They, they shut down the ATM machine. As of right now, they don't know how much they lost, but they know it was thousands and thousands of dollars. And I guess theoretically you could go back and you could try to find out, you know, the, the people who, who did this, but to try to get the money back from them is almost impossible, um, just logistically. So what Bank of America said is, look, uh, this, this happened. It went on for a while. We lost thousands and thousands of dollars. They're not saying how much they did, but they've said, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're not going to try to collect it. We're just, we're just going to eat whatever the loss is. All right. That's, that's all well and good. But I guess when we talk about the human condition, this is what I find to be interesting about the story. The fact that this, after maybe the first guy or gal who used this, this, this was not a mistake. This was people who were knowingly and intentionally trying to rip off the bank. And they, they realized they realized that there was something wrong with this machine, that the machine was malfunctioning. And here their response was, let's get in line. Let's push. Let's shove. Let's fight. Let's try to get the $100 for the $10 withdrawal. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. I, I have a question. I want you to be honest, and I mean that sincerely. If you had been outside that ATM machine and you had realized, gee, if I can get up there and I can put my card in and put the $10 in, I'm going to get $100. If knowing, knowing that you weren't entitled to it, knowing that you were essentially 
ripping off the money. It wasn't your money. You were getting it by mistake. Would you have done that? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you have viewed this as, hey, the bank has clearly screwed up here. All right, it's their mistake. Here, I, I'm going to get as much of that as I possibly can. Would you have done it? Or would you have said, it's not my dough. You know, there's clearly something that's going wrong here. I, I'm not I'm not going to take this. What would you have done? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a minute. Be honest. The topic only works if you're absolutely honest with me. 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. 1243. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1246. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's start with Dennis in Watertown. Hello, Dennis. Hi. Okay, so you're you're there. You know that the ATM machine is malfunctioning. You can take out $10, and it's going to give you a $100 bill. Everybody's pushing and fighting to try to get that money. What are you going to do? Well, hopefully I would probably just try to call the cops and have them there. Right. So you're not yeah. you're not going to rush in and try to get, you know, $100 when you only are supposed to get 10 No. About a year ago, I filled up with gas, and, you know, you just pay it and leave. And uh, I got about a block away, and I thought, well, that wasn't enough. I think I paid like $15. Right. I went back, and actually they charged the wrong pump. Okay. Right. I used to work at you know, a gas station. Sometimes the uh, employees are responsible if they screw up. So I wouldn't want that employee to have to pay for a mistake that I you know, figured out happened. Yeah, no, th- right. And again, this is it, this is the one where you, you know... And that's what's so compelling to me about this story. You you know that there's something wrong. All right. You you know that the ATM machine is malfunctioning. In this case, it was an employee who put the $100 bills in the $10 slot. But you know that, that something's not right. It's not like, gee, I don't know. You, you, you go home after you bought a bunch of groceries and you find that they failed to. Oh, gee, I didn't realize that they failed to ring up, you know, this, that or, or whatever. This is something that you know before you even put your card in that it's not right, that there is a mistake here, would you have taken advantage of that? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Bill in West Bend. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Bill. I was in the service and got out of the service in 1976 at the beginning of the year, and I didn't really know anything about ATMs because I was overseas. So my friend says to me, let's go out and go drinking tonight. And I said, okay. So he said, I got to stop at the ATM machine. And we went to the ATM machine, and he was going to get 20 bucks out. He pushed the button, and it kept pumping these 20s out. <laughs> and he had like three or $400. So he said, I'm buying tonight. So we went to the bar, and we had a hell of a time. And then <laughs> the next morning, Em and I called him and said, hey, you only wanted 20 bucks, and you got like whatever it was, right. 400 bucks. And he said, they said, we're going to take it out of your account. And he had to pay it all back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, in this in this case, I guess theoretically, the bank could have identified all the people who used the cards and their their cards, and then could have tried to dun them for it. But I guess, I think a lot of people that were were using it weren't necessarily even bank holders there. You know, they just they just had the card. The word is, hey, if you got an ATM card, this ATM is paying out, so it's tougher to collect. Regardless, that's not they decide. Look, we're 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 just going to eat whatever the loss is. So the people are going to end up getting away with it. But that is my phrase that I'm using. It's kind of getting away with it. Would you have, have done that? And I, maybe this is just me being Pollyanna-ish, but isn't there this thing about the golden rule? I mean, how many times have, have you been in a situation where the, the mistake is on you? 
Um, I, I tell you something that happened to me a week or two ago. I, I as I've said, I, I I'm in a I pay for cash with a lot of stuff. So I, I'm in a grocery store and it's like forty two dollars. And I had some twenties and they were new twenties. And I meant to I had I meant to take two twenties and a five. Forty five bucks get three dollars back. Well, they're new twenties and one stuck to the other ones. So instead of giving the gal two twenties and a five. I, I, I give her three twenties and a five. I don't know. I'm not paying attention. One stuck to the other. And, you know, she could have pocketed that or she could have put it in the register and taken it out later. But what she immediately said is, no, you know, you, you gave me too much money. Here's the $20 back. I, I appreciated her doing that. I would not have known. So, you know, I guess I kind of think it all works out for all those times that all of us maybe make mistakes. You know, shouldn't we, again, maybe not be in such a hurry to take advantage when other people make mistakes. Now, I, I asked for honesty. I have a text here. Jeff, honestly, I would take as much as I could. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Doug in West Allis. Doug, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Uh, first off, I went to the taping last night. Wonderful show. Great job. And I agree with your comments on parking. But- <laughs> Thank you. for th- Thanks for all of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So more to more to the point. I worked for a bank for many many years, and uh, you know, number one, I know that they can trace that back. They've got the card numbers. They've got video recording. They see your face. They could come after you. More importantly, I have a conscience. Yeah, I've always had a conscience. So I, uh, I, I wouldn't have done it. I'd have tried to figure out some way to report it to them. Uh, who knows? Maybe even they'd give a reward, but right. uh, that wouldn't be the point. The point is. You're not entitled to it, and if you take it and you get caught, it's a federal offense. Right, and 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 to your point about the moral compass, it's not your dough. I mean, and you you yeah. know you know it's not your money. And it's see, it's interesting to me because many of the people who I don't know, I mean, to me, it's not that much different than again, you're 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 at the small business. They give you way too much change back. The, the lady means to give you a 10. Instead, she gives you a $100 bill by mistake or whatever. You know it's a mistake. Are you going to keep that? I mean, say, hey, I just, I, I, they made a mistake. I got an extra $100. What sort of person does that? Well, and on the other side of the coin, if you get overcharged for something, absolutely you're going to say something about it. You're not just going to say, oh, well, right. you know. Right. So. Right. No, exactly. No, thanks. See, and that, that's why, I mean, to me, it is this kind of two-way street that's there. That's why I started off the segment by saying, I love people. I, I, I just do. But every once in a while, I kind of get just disappointed with people. And again, I, I understand the idea of a mistake. And, and maybe, maybe if I was the first guy at that ATM and it gave you the 100 instead of the 10, I'm not sure necessarily what I would have done. But I guarantee you, I wouldn't have called up all my buddies and kept putting the card back in to see how much money I could get out of it. I guarantee you I wouldn't have done that because maybe the first time's a mistake, but after that, it, it's as close to theft as you get. Jeff in Brookfield. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi. What do you think? A hundred percent. I would have called the number on the ATM and or called the police. Um, and even if I got the $100 uh, for the pen that I wanted, even the next day I go to the bank and I tell them what happened, they probably would have heard about it by then. Um, now, you got to understand, Jeff, some people are saying, you're a sucker. You mean you wouldn't have kept the dough? It's the right thing to do, period. End of story. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I was at the grocery store not too long ago. I bought, I don't know, four avocados. 
I realized that I got five when I came into my car. Um, you know, grocery store probably doesn't care that much about one avocado. It cost me a few cents. But I went back in and I paid for my last avocado. Because, I don't know. I think it's the right thing to do. And then, No, it, I think it is. It, and, and, and you would. You'd like somebody to treat you that that same way if Absolutely. if if some clerk let's take your example if okay they they ring stuff up automatically you you've paid for it you're walking out and some clerk realizes i i've i've overcharged that man $5 on whatever you you would you would appreciate instead of simply saying hey okay that's great we've got an extra 5 bucks you would appreciate it if that clerk said oh, excuse me sir i think we've made a mistake here you've got an extra $5 coming back to you you'd like that to happen oh absolutely yeah, now, I mean, it's, it's just a question of doing the right thing. Um, thanks. I no, I, I I agree, and I guess that's why that that's why sometimes these stories are so disappointing. And and could Bank of America tried to identify the people and gone out after them? Yeah, they decided it wasn't worth it because it was the mistake of whoever loaded this in. But th- this went on. <laughs> the only reason this got caught was that there were so many people pushing and shoving to try to. Rip off the ATM machine or take advantage of the bank's mistake, however you want to put it, that the mob attracted a crowd. Huh. Merry Christmas. Some people are in the spirit, I guess. 1254, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 109. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Eric, what, remind me, what sort of vehicle do you drive? I have a Camry. You've got a Camry. Yes. And your wife, what sort of vehicle does she drive? She has drive? an Odyssey. We have a minivan for Okay, for the minivan. Kids. But you, you, you still have a sedan. Yep. You ever, have you ever had an SUV? Uh, no. Well, yeah, we had a RAV4 for a while. So, yeah, one of those little mini SUVs. Right. Things. Okay, yeah. but but you, you have a sedan right mm-hmm. now that you yep. drive in. Okay. Yes. You are one of the few that's left. No, I, I, no, no, I, <laughs> You're I, right. I, it's no. true. Well, and, and that's, that, that's kind of my, my launching off point. I mean, I... I haven't driven a sedan, gosh, I mean, since the 90s. I, wow. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I got a, my first SUV was a, I, I got a, it was in the mid-90s. I mean, I got a Ford Explorer, and then that that started getting big, and then I had a Ford Escape, and I had a Ford Escape. And I, 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 okay. I drive cars five or six years. I, I mean, I'm not hard on cars or anything like that, and my Current vehicle is a Honda CRV. Oh, so I mean, right. I, but I, I I don't remember the last time that I I owned I, at least from my principal car that I owned a, a sedan. I, I've been an SUV guy all along. Wow. What was your first car? Do you remember that? Oh, I uh, mean the, the first car that I purchased or the first car that I like got from my parents that I drove. Whichever one is more. Well, interesting. I mean, my, the, the, well, whichever one is more interesting. <laughs> I mean, the first car that I was driving when I was a teenager was a uh, a 1968 Buick LeSabre. The first car that I think I purchased was. Uh, 1970 Pontiac Firebird. Ooh, very nice. It, 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 it was it was cool, but it was a mechanics car. That damn thing. I mean, <laughs> it it broke down. It seemed like every three weeks. Mm-hmm. And and back then, when I'm in college, I didn't have the dough to fix it all the time. And it was, um, uh, but but it was it was a fun car to drive. Uh, the, the the car that I enjoyed the most uh, was like a 1980 something or other early 80 Honda Prelude, which was it sounds odd, but it was they. They they screwed it up, but back but before they screwed up the design, it was a it kind of looked like a sports car, but it was it had all the it was reliable like the the Hondas were. Sure. I loved it. You know, it wasn't a muscle car or anything, but it was fun. My first car was a '77 Bonneville, and that okay, thing was a tank. Loved it. Absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. I had two friends who had Bonneville convertibles. Ooh. 
Oh, and that was phenomenal. That was that was cool, especially to have friends who had the Bonneville convertibles <laughs> because you didn't have to deal with the convertible stuff in the winter. But uh, that, was, that was good. But anyhow, I, I bring this up because I've been again, I've been driving SUVs for a long, long time. The um, my wife, she was ready. Well, it was earlier this year. I might have told the story before. She was ready to trade in. She had a car. She had a, a small car. She had a Ford. I want to say it was a Focus. She was ready to trade it in. And we were talking about what we were going to do. And I was thinking, well, you know, maybe, you know, I, I said, honey, you know, what, what kind of, I, I, I knew that she wasn't going to go nuts on, on what sort of car she wanted, you know, but because I just, I, I just know her. I said, well, you know, what, what do you want? Look, you, you know, let's, you can get whatever kind of car you want. We can figure out how to pay for it. You know, what, what do you want? And interestingly enough, she said, well, you know, why don't you, and I, I threw out a couple different types of cars in sedans, especially because she was, had driven, you know, she'd had a Ford Focus. And she said, you know, the truth is, I really like your Honda CRV. Why don't I take your Honda CRV? It's only like two years old. I'll take it and you get yourself whatever you want. You know, if you want to buy, you know, some high end foreign car, you, whatever car you want to buy, you, you buy it and, and I'll use it. And then I said, well, you don't need to be like noble or anything. She said, no, no, I, I love, I love driving around in, in your SUV. I'd like the extra room. It's not too big. It's manageable, et cetera. So she said, I'll, I'll take that. I started thinking about that. And then I decided, you know what? I've been driving SUVs since the, the 90s, and I'm not ready to give up my SUV. <laughs> so we went out and bought uh, another, uh, a year later model version of the, the Honda CRV. So now we have two, two Honda CRVs. Now they're not the same color, mind you. That was the only rule. They have to be different colors and stuff. But we, we're now a two SUV family. Now I, I bring this up. Because General Motors made a lot of, of news yesterday by announcing that they are going to close a number of plants. They plan to cut up to f- almost 15,000 jobs in the U.S. and Canada. They plan to end production at several North American factories. Um, this is the first downsizing in about the last you know, 10 years. And President Trump is all up in arms about this. He apparently called the uh, CEO at General Motors and, and told um, told her that she should stop making cars in China and open a new plant in Ohio to replace the one that is ending production. They better damn well open a new plant there very quickly, he said. Um, he went on to say, I told them you're playing around with the wrong person. So, I mean, the president calls the, GMC, G, the CEO of, of GM and, and threatens her, oh, you, you, you better, you know, you'd better not be building facilities overseas. Okay. Apart from that, I mean, some of the reality is that th- the reason GM is doing this is because as far as it goes with production of vehicles in North America, they are way, 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 way over capacity. That's just the reality. They are not selling anywhere near enough cars to justify having all these different facilities. And again, I'm kind of a supply and demand and a business guy. I don't, nobody likes to see people lose their job. Nobody likes to see companies like close down production lines. But the reality is they've got way more factories than they have, than they have customers to buy their vehicles in North America. That's just the reality. And one of the reasons is because all these sedans, all the cars, as opposed to the SUVs, 
that GM makes, people are not buying them. They're buying SUVs instead. So as a result, now this is not unique because, you know, Ford is in the process of, of doing this. Um, you've had, you know, other places as well, other companies. Fiat Chrysler already has phased out most small car and sedan lines for the U.S. Ford is following suit. We've talked about this before. In the next couple of years, Ford is going to uh, eliminate production of many of its car models, including the Ford Fusion and the Ford Taurus sedans. So what GM said that they were going to do, and it's one of the reasons it's leading to the, these these closures, is they're going to be getting rid of a number of their sedans. Um, let's see. Here's some of the ones that are riding off into the sunset. The Chevrolet Volt, which is the second generation of the heralded plug-in hybrid, it it's not selling just like the original didn't sell. So they're, they're not making it. The Chevrolet Cruze, it might be GM's most popular car globally, but the U.S. sales ha- have tanked as, as people just aren't buying the, the Cruze anymore. The Chevy Impala, full-size sedan, classic, um, that's not selling any better than the, the Cruze. That, that's just the reality. Um, the Cadillac CT6, which is their, you know, flagship sedan. That's not selling. The Cadillac XTS, the oldest car in the Cadillac lineup. Um, the, the principal buyers for the Cadillac XTS are people who want to retrofit it to turn it into hearses. <laughs> but, but other than that, for, for the average driver, it's just not selling. And the, the Buick LaCrosse, which does okay, but it's built in the same factory as the Impala, the Volt, and the CT6, and it's not popular enough to to sell to, to keep the plant open itself. So the problem that GM is having, if you boil it down, is the car line. The car line is not selling as people gravitate more towards again SUVs and, and trucks, and so you've got all these facilities that are geared up to make cars, and nobody's buying them. Well, President Trump can be upset about that and the fact that people are closing the plants and some people are going to lose their jobs. And I, I get all that. That's not that that's not a positive thing. But at the same time, I don't think it's reasonable to expect GM to continue to make cars or make vehicles that people don't want to buy, which brings me to what I want to talk to you about. Here's my question. What what happened here? Why is it that in the North in North America? The demand for cars, that would be, again, sedans, as opposed to SUVs or small trucks, that, it, that it's dried up to the point that Chrysler Fiat's pretty much out of the car business. Ford is pretty much getting out of the sedan, the car business. General Motors pretty much getting out of or substantially rolling back the, the car business in favor, again, of the SUVs and the trucks. And I understand it's unfortunate that we're closing the plants, but is is it because of our consumer choices? And 414-799-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, I mean, what, what's gone on with cars? Why have cars lost popularity in general with the American buying public? Now, I, I understand maybe you drive a sedan, but... In general, if you look at the numbers, the numbers don't lie. And General Motors and Ford and Chrysler Fiat, they are just responding to what they are seeing in the marketplace. And the marketplace is saying people don't want to buy cars anymore. 
What happened? Why do you think that is? And is that something that's going to reverse itself anytime soon? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, I'm, I guess I'm part of, of the reason contributing to that because I, I thought, I mean, I had the opportunity, you know, earlier this year, could have given my wife my SUV. And I decided, no, I kind of like driving the SUV. I actually test drove a couple sedans. I prefer driving the SUV and decided to keep it. All right, what's going on? 414-799-1620, we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 120. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 123, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. See, honestly, I think President Trump was out of line yesterday criticizing the, the head of GM when they announced that we're closing these plants in North America. The reason they're closing the plants in North America is they make vehicles that people are not buying in this country, predominantly, predominantly sedans. And that's the same thing you're seeing with Ford. It's the same thing you're seeing with uh, Chrysler Fiat. That the, the facilities make stuff that people aren't buying. And my guess is, when President Trump was Donald Trump, if he was in a business where they were offering something that nobody was buying or they weren't making money on because not enough people were buying, he would have no second thoughts in closing down that line of business. My guess is he's done it countless times over his career. Christina in Hartford. Christina, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Um, I have a sedan and a full-size SUV, and I'm actually selling my sedan um, for a crossover, which is a smaller SUV. Right. Right. Why? Um, well, I think um, the primary reason for me is, um, uh, well, this car is not a good car, but um, this I'm going to the crossover because it's easy to get in and out of. I don't have to step up into an SUV. I don't have to step down to get mm-hmm. into a sedan. And I think that's really what's driving at low gas prices and the fact that people, you might not realize it consciously, but they're just easy to get into. And mm-hmm. a sedan, you have to climb out of that thing. And I'm a small <laughs> person, but I still climb out of my sedan. I'm getting older, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're getting better, too, Christina, yeah. I'm sure. But no, I, see, I, I know what you mean. I had, um, I, I like, I like sitting up higher. I mean, I have, I have driven, I have driven sedans over the last several years. And whenever I, I'm six, I'm six one, like 220 pounds. And, and I always feel like I'm sitting low after I get in my SUV. I like sitting higher. I think it gives me better views and all. And I know exactly what you mean about climbing in and out of stuff. When I'm getting out of a regular, what I'm going to call a car, it's always I'm grunting. I'm making noises. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, all right. But thanks for calling. And obviously, you're not alone, and and we're we're not alone. I mean, I went through that decision making process, thinking, okay, what type of vehicle do I want? And I decided I just I didn't want to give up the SUV. And I think a lot of people are are doing that. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Ryan in East Troy. Hi, Ryan. Good afternoon. How are you? I am well, thank you, sir. What's going on here? Well, just kind of to piggyback off your last caller. Um, gas prices obviously haven't seemed to hurt enough. Now, a few years ago, it was obviously a little bit more expensive, and right. I'm sure that if you look at the numbers, you would probably see a drop in the SUV purchases. Oh, right, when um, gas was pushing four bucks a gallon, sure, yeah. The, the family is getting bigger. You know, two and a half kids went from three and a half kids, and good luck getting three and a half kids in the back of a sedan. Right. Um, you know, we in Wisconsin, we're very sports, you know, um, oriented, so anytime you go to Miller Park or to Lambeau Field or even downtown to see a Bucks game. I mean, the vast, vast, vast majority of them are trucks and SUVs. Right. People have come to enjoy the space, the availability, 
you know, the parking spots, Lord knows they haven't gotten any bigger. It's not exactly easier to go driving around these things, but right. people have come to realize how much more comfortable and they can be and, and have more kids and put more things in the car and gas prices haven't come to an effect in a wallet uh, enough to make them, uh, you know, to, to make them hurt. Now, electric cars, fantastic idea, but you just said it didn't sell. It didn't sell. Right, yeah. So if it doesn't sell, I agree with you. The, the comment by Trump, you know, probably not exactly the smartest thing, but let's be real, he's not full of the wisest information. <laughs> well, 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 right. Well, also, I, I, I understand. No, I mean, thanks. I understand the president's lashing out. And I, I don't want to necessarily make this about the president other than I, I think the comments were kind of unfair because before he was president, he was a businessman. GM is making a business decision. They are closing facilities that manufacture things that people aren't buying. So, so what are, I mean, what are they supposed to do? Continue to make cars that, that people aren't going to buy? Well, that doesn't make any sense at all. It's just, I mean, if he wants to criticize anybody, maybe you should be criticizing the American public for making these choices. But we, we vote with our pocketbooks. I, I do think gas prices are a huge factor. I mean, there, there's no, there, there's no question about it. I mean, you had the craze, the, the, the craze, the, the, the trend toward, towards going to the electric cars or the hybrid vehicles. That was big several years ago when we were looking at gas prices that were three fifty, four bucks a gallon. Well, now, you know, gas prices are comparatively cheap. And I, I think most of us believe that they're going to stay that way for a while, given the fact that we have, you know, more, we're able to develop more oil. We've got more domestic choices and stuff like that. If gas, spikes up again to again around four dollars a gallon and looks like it's going to stay there i think maybe you're going to end up having a different dynamic and maybe there'll be a switch back and people will be more concerned gee we need the car that's going to get 50 60 70 miles a gallon but right now i mean i think even in my suv i think i i checked the other day i get like 33 miles a gallon or something like that and could you do better yeah but i i I think that that's pretty good. I mean, I remember the days of the cars with the V8 engines, and you were lucky to get 20 miles a gallon. So the bottom line is the president takes on GM, and, and that that's all well and good. But I think the whole thing is much more complicated. And if you really want to know the answer as to why GM is closing these North American plants, it's because the plants were making things that people weren't buying. Buy the cars. Well, then things will turn around, but I don't think people are going to be buying cars anytime soon. 129, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 24 degrees outside. Eric Bilstead says it's going to go down to 13 degrees tonight. 13 degrees. It's not even, we're not even in December yet, and it's 13 degrees. And if you're in the southern portion of our listening area, you got lumped with a whole bunch of snow. Where is that global warming? And I'm not one of these climate change skeptics, but where is that global warming? Give me a little bit of that global warming. Give me 40 degrees at least. Don't give me 13. Is the Mike McCarthy rain ending in Green Bay? The voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee, weighs in on Wisconsin's afternoon news. Tune in today at 3.20. All right. Uh, a week ago Friday, if you were trying to drive home on I-43 coming through the Marquette Interchange, well, you weren't able to do it because that area was closed down. You, you might remember what happened. Two people were shot in the middle of the afternoon on I-43. What happened is there were two people, at least in one car, that as frequently happens, passes another car at a high rate of speed. The passenger in the victim's vehicle 
All right? Sees this car probably cutting them off and driving past them like a bat out of you-know-where, reacts by making gestures and shouting. And we can all imagine what the gestures were. All right? And shouting. At that point in time, somebody in the car that is driving like a bat out of you-know-where responds to the fact that somebody made an obscene gesture and yelled at him by pulling out a gun and opening fire, hitting two men in the, the car where they were making the, the gestures. Um, everybody's going to survive, but two people were seriously injured, and the, the freeway was closed down for over two hours because what happens is that it's a crime scene. And so the sheriff's deputies have to go out and they have to they have to canvas the area. They have to look for evidence like shell casings and things like that. And obviously the sheriff's deputies can't be doing that if cars are driving 60 miles an hour or whatever. So I mean they got the freeway closed down for over 2 hours a week ago Friday, uh, prompting outgoing sheriff Richard Smith to come out and and say, I mean, I love this. He said the aggressive the aggressive, narcissistic, it's all about me attitude of gun carrying, ruthless criminal thugs endangers all people. What have we learned from this shooting? Under no circumstance should any driver or passenger engage someone in another who cut them off or drive inappropriately. You place yourself in grave danger of people who may be armed and ready to shoot you. So, in other words, what the sheriff is saying, and I don't question the validity of the advice, but he is saying there are so many out of control psychos driving recklessly on the Milwaukee County freeways that regardless of the provocation, if you engage one of them, there's a good chance that you're going to get shot. (laughs) That's essentially what you're saying. So take your life in your own hands when you go out on the roadways because when that person cuts you off going 80 miles an hour, if you respond in any way, they could just as soon pull out a gun and shoot you as, as not, which, you know, it's kind of harsh advice, but I guess at the end of the day, maybe it's it's probably good advice because there are so many gun-toting, narcissistic, I'll use the word psychos out there, who have the impulse control of a fruit fly. All right, so that happened a week ago Friday. Well, yesterday during the show, our news director, Eric Bilstadt, ran in. He said, we got another one. The freeway was shut down. The Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office temporarily shut down the southbound lanes of the freeway right as you're going into the Marquette Interchange after, wait for it, reports of shots being fired on the freeway Monday afternoon. And so what they ended up having to do then is they closed a number of the freeways leading into the, again, the Marquette Interchange, second incident in nine days. Traffic was diverted. It it was, I mean, again, it was closed for a couple hours. Sheriff's officials said deputies and detectives are investigating a report of a freeway shooting on I-43 southbound, south of the Market Interchange, around 12.30 p.m. The sheriff said, once again, all signs point to another potential road rage incident. Reckless behavior that they're going afterwards. Um, said a witness called it in. The witness said she observed an individual, allegedly two people in the car. She observed an individual pull a weapon at the car, pointed at a truck, and just start shooting. Uh, the shots hit the back of the vehicle. Uh, the good news is that um, nobody was hurt, no report of any injuries. But um, what what they're saying is this happens a lot, or at least it's happening more and more. 
and the sheriff is essentially, I think, correctly cautioning people. But you got to be careful because when you're out there on the roads, you know, you've got people that are driving in incredibly reckless fashions, and their response is if you honk at them or you make a gesture at them or something, their response may very well be to shoot you. Hmm. All right, our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is an issue that we touched on a little bit last week after this first story, and it's an issue that I, I, I know people don't, especially the powers that be, don't want to confront it. But but it is the truth that is out there. I think I could spend the next three hours taking phone calls from people who, while driving around the area, have stories of, of road rage. You know, I watched this guy go through a red light. I honked at him. And then, you know, they made obscene gestures at me and waved guns. I, I, I know I could take calls like that. But the reality is the chickens are, to use the cliche, coming home to roost. And now you have the outgoing sheriff saying, it, it's it's dangerous out there on the roads. Here, here is, is my question. Obviously, law enforcement does not have a handle on this at this point in time. And this is not a criticism of law enforcement. It is a comment on how out of control the situation has gotten. So here here is my question. Are these reports, these instances, these things that you are hearing about or maybe seeing, are they making you change your travel plans? Are they making you rethink how you're going to a particular place? Or I guess the other thing would be, well, stuff like this could happen anytime, anywhere. I'm not going to worry about it. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I, I will tell I'll give you my answer. I these these situations are now always in the back of my mind. I was driving back on the freeway, 43 North, driving from um, our, our event last night at Turner Hall. And I, I'm watching this car. I know the speed limit is 60 or whatever, 55 or 60, whatever it is. I'm moving with the pace of traffic. I'm watching this car, and there's a lot of road construction out there, weaving in and out of traffic, going at least 85 miles an hour. If it is going, you know, if it's going 5, it's going 85, weaving in and out. The car doesn't have a license plate on it. And I I, I watch it. It just passes. And you just think, gosh, you know, this is going to be just an accident waiting to happen. But I do think of these things. I got to tell you, it controls how I go to certain places and it controls, you know, where some of those places are. I mean, is this crime making you rethink some of your driving decisions? 414-799-1620. We're back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 144. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 147, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It is becoming an epidemic. It's kind of like Groundhog Day. We could go Friday, freeways shut down for hours after a a road rage incident, two people in serious condition, somebody driving like a bat out of you-know-where, tries to cut them off, they make an obscene gesture, and the reckless driver, somebody in the car pulls out a gun and starts shooting. Two people seriously injured. Yesterday, freeway closed for a couple hours. Apparently, another road rage incident, somebody pulls out a gun, starts shooting at the back of a truck. I mean. Seriously, this is out of control, and how can it not make you change some of your driving habits? Let's start with Steve in East Troy. Steve, hello. Hi, Steve. Hi. Hi, Steve. What do you think? I think it's the, uh, like I told your uh, phone caller, Mm -hmm. answer. 
it's the Milwaukee Sheriff's Department and David Clark's fault, you know, 17 years of not putting people on the freeway system. He transferred deputies all over the county and neglected the freeway. You know, at, at a time there was, you know, 14 people assigned to the road per shift. That's, you know, three shifts a day. And now I believe the minimum staffing is four per shift. Mm-hmm. Why do you... Telling, Right. Well, why do you think that's led to more of of the shootings and the road rage stuff? Well, there's nobody out there watching right. them. I mean, you can drive the freeway. I just got on the freeway at Good Hope Road on 45 and went all the way to um, Waukesha County mm-hmm. and didn't see one sheriff squad. Right. You know, I don't know how many miles. That's got to be 25 miles probably. And yep. then you figure both directions. That's 50 miles of freeway yep. and not one squad there. Yep. So yep. It, yep. If Big Brother's not watching, people are going to do what they want to do. Well, you know, I, I, I will tell you, w- without going into the whole Clark thing, I agree with you that one of, to me, the two priorities for the sheriff's department ha- have to be, you know, the, the jail, and it has to be the, again, it's the freeway. And I mean, that's where, if I were the incoming sheriff, that's where I'd be spending my resources, putting police up on the, putting sheriff's deputies on the freeway, maybe reaching out to the state patrol, seeing if you can get them involved in that as well. But, you know, with all this stuff going on, you're, you're right. Maybe you are less likely to be driving 85 miles an hour and pull out a gun if, if you know that there's going to be a sheriff's deputy in the next mile or two. Exactly. There was a, a point in time. When you would enter Milwaukee County and you knew there was a deputy over that hill or there was a deputy behind that bridge, right? And you hit your brakes when you entered the county, right? And now it's a free for all. Yeah, no, and I, I thanks again. I, I again without without assessing blame, and I, I whenever I've talked about the David Clark years, I, I always divide them into two: I, I the, the beginning and then and then sort of the end. And, and you can decide where that, that kind of came about. But in the beginning, I thought he was kind of innovative. At the end, I, I think he really took his eye off the ball. But I, I, I definitely agree that, you know, one of the things that, that's going on here is you do have more people with the impulse control of fruit flies who don't care. But I do think this is a situation where you need a much larger police. And here I'm talking about sheriff's deputies. You need that that larger sort of presence. And again, maybe it involves getting the state patrol in, involved. I mean, they've got authority as well. I understand that there's some jurisdictional issues from time to time. But that's where you need the deterrent. And it, it starts off that if you stop the guy that's driving 85 miles an hour and weaving in and out of traffic, if you stop him and you catch him or her, then you make the, the then it doesn't evolve from there. Now, I don't disagree with the sheriff saying, you know, don't make obscene gestures at that car because you never know what's going on. But when you see the car driving irresponsibly, if you pull him over in the first place and you get him off the roads, maybe it, it's a little bit of a safer thing. Let's talk to Jerry in Bayview. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Hi, I'm sure your your phone lines are just lit up, but I must tell you quickly, so I deliver meds part-time in, in the city, mm-hmm. and there are certain streets I absolutely uh, will stay away from. But a recent incident, I was driving north on 6th Street, a car pulled up right behind me very fast, I, I actually went over to the right a little bit, but apparently I didn't do it fast enough. So he pulled alongside me, his tinted windows went down, he points a gun at me. Mm-hmm. My, nep- my nephew's with me, he calls 911. 911 directs us to stop at 2nd District Police Station. Go there, you know, to get the information. I even took a photo of the car with the plate. So the officer at the desk said, what do you expect us to do? You know, and uh, actually, we're following directions from, you know, the 911, you know, operator. And um, I don't always expect to do it, but I did have a picture of the car with the plate. 
But there's certain states in the city, not just expressways, that you absolutely have to molest in Trump. Bad, bad, bad. Well, no, th- and, and thanks for and, and it's and there's getting to be more and more of them. I mean, look, I, I've lived in this area most of my life. And w- without going into the specifics of some of those streets, I mean, I, I, I'm a North Shore guy, okay? But I, I frequently have to go from the North Shore to the West Side or to Brookfield or, or whatever. And it, it used to be that there were certain routes. And I will just tell you, I have changed some of those routes over time because some of the streets are less safe. And I know the mayor doesn't like to hear about that. And I know some of the aldermen don't like to hear about that. But at the same time, I live in this this real world. And when you hear these stories about in the summer, you know, you've got the roving bands of, of kids that are wandering through the streets or whatever, or you've got the instances of road rage and all. Yeah, I have. I admit, I have changed my driving habits. Now, I, I don't stop going on the freeway, but I will tell you, I am more and more aware of it. Not that I was ever the guy to kind of hit the horn and do that type of stuff. But when I see these people driving like maniacs, and I see this all the time, I, I do think in the back of my mind, boy, I wonder if that person is armed. And when that person decides to block them or not let them drive like a maniac, are we going to have the next shooting situation? Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I agree with the uh, previous caller. It's not just the freeways. It's the city streets, too. I uh, have not now uh, avoided parts of the city or driven them during a day only, which doesn't make a difference anymore. But if I pull up to a stoplight, I don't pull up next to the guy, so eyeball to eyeball. I stay back. So I turn green. I don't go right away. I look back and forth and make sure no one's speeding through the intersection. Yeah. Back in the day, you said, if I turn green, you just go. Now you yeah. don't. Oh yeah, no, you're you're. And thanks, you you are you are exactly right, Mike. And and by the way, I don't want this discussion to be interpreted as as a knock on the sheriff's deputies. That that's not that's not what it is. I'm not arguing that people aren't there out there doing their jobs or sitting around eating donuts and stuff like that. That's not what I'm suggesting, and that's not what our conversation with like the first caller implied. It's just it's all where you put resources and how you are going to you know take those resources and utilize them. That that's the whole thing. If I were the sheriff. I would have a huge presence on the freeways. I would view that as one of my priorities, if not my top priority, especially given all the stuff that's going on here. Here's a text, Jeff. My job requires me to regularly drive through the north side of Milwaukee. It's not just the highway, but the city streets are awful. People driving at 90 miles an hour down Appleton Avenue and such. You need to drive defensively and not react to idiots who may be armed and who definitely have little regard for human life. Uh, my answer would be yes. 155, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. <music> 208, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Melissa, we've got about a month left in the year. Do you have, how much vacation do you have left? Oh, gosh, I have probably about a week left, but I'm not using all of it. You're not using all of it. Well, no, it's going to roll over into next year. Okay, so right, because with, with the, the switch from Scripps to yes. Good Karma, they let us carry over a week. That's correct. Thank you, yes. Good Karma. We appreciate <laughs> yes, that. Yes, we appreciate so, that a lot. So if, if you weren't allowed to carry this over, would you have used it? 100%. Okay, so the only reason you're not using all the time is because you want to bank it for next year. Yeah, I mean, I think a few extra days next year would be great. So, okay. yeah, that's that's the reason I'm doing it. What about you? Well, that leads into where we're oh. going next. I mean, I, there was a time in, in my life where I, I did not use all my vacation. And I don't know whether it was because I had this, this idea that I was this indispensable person or because I'd rather be at work or whatever. That There was a point in my time that, in my life that I was like that. 
that time is not here <laughs> I was anymore. Say, no, no, no it, it it's not. And so, um, I mean, for example, for me, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Scripps were very, very kind to me. I mean, they, I mean, if you've been here for a long time, I was kind of maxed out on the time of vacation, and they they rolled. They didn't give you sick days, but they gave you uh, a former employee. It was like paid yeah. time off. So I, I had, I mean, I had a lot. And so the the bottom line is, for me, I'm I'm taking the last two weeks of the year off. I'm like my last day. My last show is I think Friday, December fourteenth, mm-hmm. and I. I I'm, I'm going to be off till like January 2nd. Are you going to remember how to do your job when you well, come back? I, well, I, I, yes, I think so. But you never yeah. know. Tune in, tune in on January 2nd. We'll figure it out. But, but yes, I mean, to give you an idea, and, and our current company, Good Karma, very, very, I mean, very, very generous when it comes to benefits too. But they're, they've decided to treat since New Year's Eve and Christmas Eve falls on a Monday. They're treating that as a company holiday, so you don't have to take vacation day for that. And that, that's actually Which it's a very great. generous I thing. Love that. So I mean, so the bottom line is, my last show will be Friday the fourteenth. And I can use, I, I'll be back on January 2nd, which is a Wednesday, and I will still have a, I'll still have like four days yeah. to roll over for the, for next year. It really helps that those company holidays are in there because I think right. I get six days off, right. but I'm only taking two or right. three vacation right. days, which is wonderful. But, but the bottom line is, yes, I, I mean, I, I'm using this because even though I, I love being at work and things like that, I mean, it's, it's a benefit that oh. you have. I mean, it's, it's something that the, the company gives you, and it's much. And again, I, I love my job, and I, I love talking to everyone about the issues that are important to me. But at the same time, it's a benefit that you get to the point that I, I've already sat down and kind of mapped out my vacation schedule for for next year. Because oh, you're I mean, one of those people. Well, I, but <laughs> it, it's getting so because. But it was kind of like okay, we're doing a river cruise in September, and that's like seven days. It's a Thursday to a week from that Sunday. Um, we're going to Key West for a week mm-hmm. um, on, on a vacation. I'm going to Florida for a couple days in January. So you start adding that up, and I like to take some time off at the end of the year. So yes, I've I've kind of I figure where four of the five plus weeks are, are going. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, I think it's great to get that notice ahead of time. John Mercure does that as well. Right. You're, you're just like him, like. Planning everything out ahead of time. Well, which is nice for people right. that have to fill in. That's well, great. Well, well, right. But also, you know, plus, I mean, I'll have a few extra days for a couple trips to Las Vegas or whatever, but I, I had to map that out. But the bottom line is, and I guess this is where I'm going with this. Yes, I I have decided I'm at the point of my life where I, I'm going to use all the vacation time. It is a benefit mm-hmm. that the company gives you. And I, I think, you know, for a lot of people, it, it maybe makes you a better employee if you're willing to kind of take that time off and, and do other stuff. I totally agree. I think you feel refreshed when you're done. I think you have just a different perspective. You're not bogged down. You come back with, you know, okay. pot being positive And yeah, I All right. like that. Which brings me. Okay, so we now know where Melissa and I stand on this issue. All right, I have in my hands a recent survey from a place called Priceline. And here's what Priceline says. One in four U.S. workers, as of last Friday, still had nine or more days of paid time off to take during the year. It also says that the vast majority of those people will not take those nine days, that they will end up giving back some or all of the days. There's another study that I have that says that only about half use all of people use all their vacation time every year. Only about half, meaning the other 
Actually, 46%. 54% use all their vacation. 46% don't. Um, they give back vacation time. And there's 10% of people who take no paid time off at all. There, and th- again, this is, this is people who are entitled to paid vacation who choose to leave it on the table. All right. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. U.S. Travel Association says that they estimate that Americans simply give away American workers over 200 million vacation days that cannot be rolled over every year, and that equates to like $62 billion in lost benefits. Let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you leave vacation on the table? And if so, you know, why or or why not? Like I say, I've been in both camps. When I was younger, perhaps, there would be times where, yeah, I, I mean, I've got the vacation, but maybe I'm just going to stay here. I mean, I really don't have any place to go. I just as soon be at work. I, I've, I have evolved in my thinking, but I am, I'm still in about the minority because there's lots of people who decide that they, they're not going to take all their paid vacation. Do you understand that? Are you one of those people or every day you get, you use? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, I don't think this breaks down between, you know, people who are slugs versus people who perceive themselves as high achievers. I have two very dear friends who are incredibly successful. They are incredible high achievers. They are in very, very powerful jobs. And you know what? Every darn day of their vacation, they take. If either one of them are listening to me, Sue and Jim, I love you. I, they're, both of them both of them would say, who in their right mind would give back a day of vacation? They use every single day. Where do you fall in this in this scale, 414-799-1620. Back to talk about it in just a moment. It's 216. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Change a life. The names of participating Adam dealers near you. Visit ADAMM.com. 219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Welcome the Arizona Cardinals to the frozen tundra. Our Packers game day coverage starts with WTMJ opening drive. It's Sunday at 9. It is sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. Jay, who is calling us from Madison. Hi, Jay. Hello. All right. Uh, I can't afford to take a vacation. Okay, tell me why. Well, I work 60, 65 hours a week, and we get paid vacation for a year, or a week for a year. But they only pay us for forty. So if every week I'm working sixty-five hours, if I want to take a week off, I only get paid for forty, and that's a pretty big cut pay for a week. Well, but at the same time, at the same time, if you get paid vacation, you're, you're, I mean, that's a time to recharge your batteries and to hang out with your family or your friends or or whatever. I understand that you're leaving some overtime on the on the table, but but don't you think it's don't you think that you're essentially cheating yourself by not taking that paid vacation? Um, yeah, I'm cheating myself. But when you live from check to check, it's hard to uh, say, okay, I can live the five hundred bucks this week because I'm going to just sit around and do nothing or spend money to go somewhere. Yeah, but I, I, I guess I mean thanks for calling. You're you're kind of in a unique situation because 
I think maybe it's not necessarily that. Maybe people are working 20 hours of overtime or whatever. I think, you know, for most people who are in that situation where you're either a salaried employee or, you know, you're an hour employee, hourly employee, but you're going to get credit for, for that 40 hours. I, I mean, I guess I understand if, if it's 65 hours a week and you don't want to give that up. But to me, that sounds a little bit like the recipe for burnout. 414 799 one six twenty. Now here's Patrick who has the same thing. Patrick says I paid hourly. My vacation time maxes out at eight hours a day. I normally work eleven hour days. I end up having to work more time during the other days just to make up for my vacation time. So I stay at work. Another text. I take all my vacation or roll over what I can. Those who don't take it will regret it someday. All right, here's another text. I work for a large local healthcare system at the clinic level. I'm only guaranteed two priority weeks per year, even though I accrue four to five weeks. I can ask, but I will probably be turned down. We typically have no one to replace us. We're lucky to get a day here and there. Also lucky the PTO rolls over. We can take a buyout, but I'd rather have the time off. Well, well, right. I mean, obviously an employer, you, you have to, if, if you say to somebody, okay, we're going to give you the vacation, but then we're not going to approve the days, that ends up being an issue. I, I just, I think that, I guess I was surprised to see these numbers that I, I probably believe that here we're a month out and, and you have, you know, a vast majority of people or at least a large number of people who still have two weeks of vacation left or more. And in many cases, I, I understand I'm a little bit atypical because I've been at the same place for so long. My, my guess is a lot of those people who have two weeks left or nine days left. May, maybe they only get two weeks and they just haven't scheduled any sort of vacation. Um, I guess I just think and I appreciate the financial things and all. But I have come full circle on this to the point that I guess I think it's just sort of silly if your employer is going to give you this benefit. I mean, if your employer was going to give you reduced health insurance or a great deal on health insurance, would you take it? Well, of course you you would end up taking it. And if your employer was going to give you, I don't know, some benefits like a free gym membership or something like that, would you take it? Well, of course your employer is giving you that. If your employer is giving you, you know, days off, why wouldn't you take it? But a lot of people don't. And I this comes from the perspective of somebody who genuinely loves what he does for a living. I love being here. I am blessed to have this job. At the same time, there's also other all sorts of other stuff that I, I love doing as well. And if my employers are going to give me time to paid time to pursue those other endeavors, I'm going to say thank you very much. Just saying. 223 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 225, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, five games to go for the Packers. Their playoff hopes are on life support. Uh, yeah. Is it already a lost season, or can they realistically make a last-minute push? Greg Matzik gives his take, and here's your thoughts this evening. Tune in. Sports Central starting at 6.07. Right. The key to that question is, can they realistically make a last-minute push? I mean, because, yes, I, theoretically, yeah, you can construct these scenarios. They win all five games. They haven't won a road game yet this year. Does that mean they can go into Chicago and beat the Bears? Eh. All right, but they win all five. What has to happen? And uh, losing to Minnesota and Seattle, which are the two teams, two of the many teams that are ahead of them, that makes it much more difficult. But the bigger point is, does this look like a playoff team to anybody? Anyways, tune in. Greg will have his always outstanding analysis this afternoon. Let me give you an update on on something that we, we talked about last week. The horrible story of... It came from 
a week ago Monday, a week ago yesterday, the the 13-year-old girl who was shot in her bedroom, apparently you had a couple of these, you know, homicidal maniacs who were firing guns and one of the bullets went through the wall or the window or whatever, hit this 13-year-old girl and killed her while she was in her bedroom. They have now been charged, and to the surprise, or which should be surprising to no one, this is not their first time at the rodeo. Uh, here's the Journal Sentinel story. Isaac Barnes, 26, and Untrell, Untrell Odin, 27, have each been arrested. They were arrested within hours of the shooting. Barnes faces first-degree reckless homicide with a dangerous weapon and being a felon with a gun. Odin is named in two counts of being a felon with a gun. So what does that tell you, first of all? It tells you you've got a 26- and a 27-year-old, and again, this is not their first time at the rodeo. They've already, by the age of 26 and 27, managed to accumulate convictions, felony convictions, and they're back out on the street. The criminal complaint says that, um, okay, the, the mom says she had gone to bed early with her two children were watching TV. She was awakened by gunshots at 745. She heard the daughter saying, I'm shot, I'm shot. Um, detectives found four empty casings in the street in front of the house and four bullet holes in the house. Police officer responding to the scene noticed somebody standing in a nearway gangway who ran as soon as he saw the officer. While looking for that subject, the officer bumped into Barnes' ex-girlfriend who said he was probably involved in the shooting. Um, she said that she was parked on North 12th Street earlier when Barnes approached her wearing a mask and carrying an assault-style rifle. She said he told her, blank, you're lucky the kids are in the car. I was going to fan you down. During a house-to-house search, detectives and tactical officers found Barnes and Odom in a house a couple blocks away. They also found an AK-47-style pistol in the kitchen and an AK-47-style rifle in the bedroom. Both of them are, of course, felon. Barnes, two and a half years in prison in September of 2020 after pleading guilty to armed robbery. He was also wanted for a charge of car theft on November 2nd when he was arrested. Again, the other one has a conviction, again, going back, I believe, to 2010 again as well. So here, here is, again, the problem. It's the problem that the police chief talks about, the fact that you have... The vast majority of crimes committed by a relatively small percentage of people, you have this criminal class. You have somebody convicted of a crime of violence, gets a little bit of time, gets back out on the street, and doesn't care. I'm going to get a gun. I'm going to commit more crimes. I'm going to shoot stuff indiscriminately. And I understand that there's people who don't like it when we talk about mass incarceration. But the bottom line is, for some of the hardcore dangerous criminals, the people who commit crimes with firearms, the answer for public safety is, yes, it is to warehouse them. And I know some people don't like to hear that, but that's just the reality. Because if there had been a longer sentence for these guys, you would have, potentially, if they were in jail, you would have a situation where the little girl would be alive. That is just the reality when it comes to the hardcore criminals. All right, when we come back, free college for all. It's 2.37. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two years ago, during the, the height of the presidential campaign, you had Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton and... 
Elizabeth Warren, who was trying for a higher public profile, all these people and many, many others were talking about how they wanted to see the government offer free college for everybody. Remember, the, the issue was, you know, people, you know, young, younger people coming out of college with crushing student loan debt and people not being in a position to be able to move out and buy their own houses and things like that because people were in debt and they owed so much money to colleges. And the idea would be, well, if we offered free college to everybody, well, then this, this wouldn't be a problem or at least free college, free admission to state universities for people. It wouldn't be a problem. Then it, it kind of got narrowed down. Some of the generic proposals were, well, maybe maybe we don't want to do this for everybody, but maybe we look at income levels. For example, let's say any family that has an adjusted gross income of under one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars will will offer those kids, you know, free college. Don't have to pay it back. You know, you, you just go. Remember that that was one of the big issues two years ago. Now, the reason I say remember is because chances are. You didn't hear anything about it this election season, and that's because almost nobody on either the right or the left was talking about it. And it's interesting. I've got a huge story that just appeared a couple of days ago in one of the, the prominent um, magazines talking about how, in the Atlantic, talking about how this whole dream of, quote, unquote, free college has now gotten kicked to the back burner. And how you don't have even even the, the the some of the more liberal people who pushed it, the Bernie Sanders, the Elizabeth Warrens of the world, they're not even talking about this this anymore. They might be tinkering around the edges and talking about well, maybe we need to figure out a way to you know make it easier for people to pay off student loans or make it you know, reduce the, the the debt the student loan debt in some fashion. But almost nobody is talking about free college anymore. Well, and that is my starting point. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Clearly, an educated, I firmly believe, and I, I understand there's a lot of people who have been very, very successful in this world without a high school degree, much less without a college degree or, or something beyond that. I get that, but the reality is, you, you need that piece of paper in many, many walks of life to open doors. You need that college degree for many occupations. There's a lot of occupations that you don't need the college degree in, but a college degree, I, I think, is a good thing. There, there's no question about it. So here's my question. If we accept the fact that it's a good thing, and if we have free education up through grade 12, shouldn't we, as a caring and compassionate society, Shouldn't we offer that next step? Why aren't we talking about free college for everyone anymore? And should we be investing in this? Would this be a winning election? Should this be something that's back on the forefront in 2020 when the next presidential election comes around? Free college. Good idea. Bad idea. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you be happier? Do you think it's a I mean, obviously, you know, free stuff is always a good thing. Do you think our society would be better if we provided free college? And again, free college means taxpayer paid for college for any student who wants it. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 241. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It, it is interesting. One of the big issues in 2016 was affordable college, free college. Bernie Sanders was talking about that. Hillary Clinton even touched on that. That issue completely disappeared in the 2018 elections. Some people are saying maybe we should bring it back. Let's talk about the concept. Free college for everybody. Sarah in Milwaukee. Sarah, good afternoon. Hi. Thanks Hi, for taking my call. Sure. Um, I don't think free college is a good idea. I, a more affordable fine, but free college is a bad idea. One, because um, not everybody is right for college. There are a lot of personality types, temperaments, what have you, that are better suited towards um, hands-on jobs, technical degrees, things like that. People in my family included, you know, mm-hmm. went to four-year college, totally miserable, and went back and got a two-year technical degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and are completely happy in that line of work. Also, yeah. Let me. Um, we'll let's make your next point. But I see. I agree. Sure. Completely. It's interesting when I when I graduated from Nicolay High School in Glendale. Um, back and back then, Nicolay. Oh, they used to brag about how they had like a ninety eight percent college placement rate. They never told you what the college graduation rate was, and that's because they were funneling all sorts of people to college. To your point, who don't belong in college. And, and there's look, I, I went to, I went th- through law school, okay, but that was fine. I knew what I wanted to do. There were a lot of people that candidly, you know, being in a liberal arts college, for example, was just a waste of time for them. It wasn't where their skill level was. They were just kind of hanging out. They would have been much better off going into where many of them ended up in the trades anyways. And, you know, a lot of a lot of my high school classmates doing extremely well because they had talents, but it wasn't necessarily to be found with a liberal arts degree. And it's not to knock liberal arts degrees. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I just believe that if you give a free you know, bachelor's degree, let's say, to everybody, um, then it just becomes just as impressive as a high school diploma. And I don't know what that would do to the economy and the workforce and pay at those levels, but it's, you know. Well, well, right. And and again, and again, this isn't... All right, like, for example, they're at, you know, UW-Stevens Point, they're, right now they're, they, they have no interest, they, they don't have enough interest in the history program, so they're looking at dropping the history major. So, and I think part of the reason is people just can't find jobs in that particular field. So, all right, we're going to pay people to kind of, we're going to let people hang out for free. You get the history degree. You're not going to be any more prepared to go into the workforce, you know, after with that degree than you would be without it. And that's not to knock history majors. It's just the reality that's out there. Now, now thanks for calling, Sarah. 414-799-1620. Free college. I got to tell you, I'm not sold on this. Jerry in Sussex. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Jerry. Um. Yeah, I, I am very definitely not in favor of, of free college. Um, as I was telling Gru, um, when I went to high school, I was a kind of a middling student, mm-hmm. you know, C, C plus B, you know, smart right. enough to smart enough to get by. Uh, but then again, I didn't have to pay for it. Right. Uh, when I got to college, and uh, you know, my deal with the parents was I could I could live at home, but I had to pay for school. Mm-hmm. I was able, I mean, once I had skin in the game, right. all of a sudden I was a, an A student. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and I graduated with honors, all right? Um, but I could also pay for school working a part-time job. Right. And I, I, I not only had money for school and books, I, I had money for fun. Right. Um, now, you can't possibly do that. Right. You know, wages have only maybe doubled in that time, but college, I mean, I think I paid less than $1,000 right. a semester, and now it's, what, 
14, 15,000. Well, depending on where you go or, or more. Yeah, no, see, I'm, I'm with you. I think the key is trying to figure out ways to make higher education more affordable for the people that want to pursue it. But if you just say it's going to be free to everybody, you're going to get a lot of people who are just looking to kind of hang out. This is going to give me something to do for a couple of years. And that's that's not necessarily the case. Affordable for the people who, who want it, but not free to everybody. I think that's kind of the key. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Get, if you have some skin in the game, right. you're going to apply yourself. Well, right. or more right. than likely will apply yourself. Yeah, right. Thanks to call. And then, I mean, I think colleges have a responsibility, too. And I feel very strongly about this, that times have changed over the years. I think colleges have a responsibility to be very, very upfront. For years and years and years, the whole rush was we want the tuition dollars. Let, let's, let's admit people. But let's not focus on what's going to be coming out at the other end of the pipeline. I mean, I've seen this in law schools. The, the, the market for lawyers is so completely different now than it was when I got out of law school. That, I mean, there, there was a time where if you graduated from a decent law school, you know, you, you could pretty much guarantee that you, you might have to relocate, but you could pretty much guarantee that you were going to be able to get a decent job in the law if, if you had decent grades, all right? That, that dynamic has changed. These, these law, large law firms, they're not hiring like they used to. The, the legal market, has the dynamic has completely and totally changed. Now, I bring this up because you have these law schools, and again, I understand we're talking about college, but you have these law schools who, because they want the tuition dollars, they're admitting you know hundreds of kids or whatever, but it's fine. So these kids end up, the students, end up on top of whatever their underlying student debt is. They end up going another $100,000 in debt or more to go to law school. And then you come out into this brutal job market. So now you've got $200,000 in student debt and you're not able to find a job or you're not able to find a, a decent job. And, and then you're just, you're stuck. But part of the problem, I think, is the schools that just admit people admit people because they want the tuition or aren't honest with people about, hey, you know, I got to tell you, unless you're in the top 10 of your class, your chances of finding a job that's going to give you a chance to, you know, pay back your law school tuition, it might happen, but it's not going to be the greatest odds. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Eric in Oak Creek. Eric, good afternoon. Hey, how's it going? Real well, thank you. What do you think? So I actually have to, or I really agree with your uh, last statements as far as I just think the, the college system is kind of broken. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically, I mean, you said it before, it's, it's getting that piece of paper and they put so much emphasis on the piece of paper, right? but there really aren't the jobs out there with just that piece of paper anymore. Right. I mean, my, my brother's having a problem finding a job because he doesn't have experience, they call it. Okay. So he has his degree. But every single job he applies for, they're like, well, you need three years experience. Well, it's an entry-level job. <laughs> right. And it's like, well, how do you get the experience if you can't get a job? Right, right, right. And and then telling everybody, you know, I think they just need to make college cheaper. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're trying to force everybody into it. It's not for everybody. And right. I just... Yeah, I mean, I, exactly. And, and, and see, I, we still have... 
there is this stigma about the trades, and I've been railing on this for years and years and, and years, that this idea that, for, for not for everybody, but some people think, okay, if, if I work with my hands, if I do this type of stuff, well, that's not a, that's not as as good a job, and that that's of course ridiculous. Look, there's all sorts of things. I, I have some I have some talents, but I also I, I can't do plumbing. I can't do electricity. I'm no good at that stuff. If I try to do it, I'm going to make things worse. I have to find somebody who's good and pay them to do it, and I'm willing to do it. I mean, yep. we we all have different talents. Thankfully, I don't think everybody can do what I do. Some people might think that, but, you know, but, but I mean, that's it. Find what our individual talents are and then encourage that. And who cares, you know, whether you got to go to college or you got to go to trade school or whatever. Just let's get people into what they're good at and then they'll be happy and they'll make a living. Yep. Now, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And that, of course, I mean, that's. That's the challenge that, that goes on, not to mention the fact that, I mean, when you talk about free college for all, and I'm throwing that free in quotation marks, nothing is free. I mean, that, that's just the reality. It, you know, free college means that the taxpayers, whether you do it through the state or whether you do it through the federal government, whatever, it means that the taxpayers are picking up the tab for that. That, that's, that is just the reality. No matter how you're going to look at it, somebody else's taxes or fees or whatever are going to go up so somebody else can get that quote unquote free benefit. Maybe it's free to you, but it's not, it's not free. You're going to school on somebody else's money. So, you know, how do you, how do you go to that, that middle class family, for example, and say to them, Okay, well, you know, we've decided as a society that we should be paying to send everybody in your particular state to the university. So now you're going to have to pay more for that. And then you say, well, wait a second. I, I paid my way through college. I, I, I worked, you know, two jobs and I had to stay at home and I had to keep up my grades and all that stuff. And now you're telling me I got to pay to send somebody else. No, let them do what I did. And that's kind of where the politics of this breaks down, because I think what happened is there was a lot of what we would call poll testing. You know, the idea of free college sounds good. And then they went out and they started asking people about the specifics, and they found that, well, among at least the majority of people, maybe it wasn't that appealing. I don't know. Will the free college idea come back? Uh, I doubt it, but I'm not positive. It's 254. When we come back, we're going to find out what John Mercure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.